Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, May 13th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And I am Justin Klein. I thank you for joining me for this hour of, of learning. You know, that's what we're all about here is trying to give you some perspective, give you as much information as you possibly can that is relevant, right? And help you make better decisions about your investment dollars and maybe non-investment dollars as well each and every day here on Invest Talk. So please give me a call with your investing or money-related questions at 888-99-CHART. That's how you get through in this hour. And I urge you to call sooner rather than later. And if you do call, you help shape the show and shape it to your advantage in order to help you achieve financial freedom in your own particular way. Everyone, Everyone's financial freedom path is different as well as destination. Now, we do this every day with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, just like we do at KP Financial. And today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you along incrementally along that path. And that's, uh, that's an important point. Every day, you have to get a little bit better at managing that path, right? It's Things are going to throw you off, whether it's temptation to spend money, whether it's a stock tip, whether uh, it's something out there in the media that is pushing your emotions into making some sort of decision. You need to keep your eye on the ball and try to block out as much noise as possible and use logic and sound reasoning to get yourself or keep yourself on the right path. So like I said, our anytime listener line is open right now. So I'm taking your calls live at 888 chart. Now, to, on today's Invest Talk, my main talking point is about Apple. The Supreme Court has ruled against Apple in the App Store antitrust case. I'm going to talk about that, what that means for Apple, but the tech industry in general, because just like most rulings in law, there are are ramifications for everybody that might link up to that particular industry, right, in some way. So it can affect a lot of other type of companies, even though the lawsuit is just about Apple. It could mean things for Google and Facebook, etc. So we're going to talk about that. Also, some other things that are on my mind. Obviously, the Trump tariffs, what products are they likely to hit? Price-wise, I haven't really hit yet, but we're getting incrementally closer, so I'm going to talk about that. Also, the healthcare industry, a vast majority of the profits in the healthcare industry go to a certain subset of the healthcare sector. And we're going to talk about that and why that's important for you when you're looking at the healthcare industry as a whole and making your investment decisions. And then lastly, how much money do you need to be wealthy in America? Can mean 
a lot of things to a lot of different people. We're going to touch on some numbers on that as well. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Give me a call. Today's market, let's look at what the numbers were. We closed near the low, which I've talked about this before. The ultimate move up or down on a particular day often isn't quite as important as how you close. Did you close at the high end or the low end of the trading range for that day? And we actually closed at the low end. Despite a little rally attempt near the end of the day or in the afternoon, the the last hour was decidedly negative, decidedly negative on the S&P. And once again, we closed right near the lows. S&P was down about 2.5%. Russell was down 3.5%. The Qs, the NASDAQ, down 3.75%. Very negative day on the markets because of the trade war. We are in a trade war. We've been in a trade war. I've said this for a while. I don't think we're close. Even though Trump administration came out and said, oh, we're, we're doing well, and, and there's a lot of positive rhetoric towards it. Well, comes come to find out, there really, there really wasn't they weren't ever really close to a deal. They had maybe parts and they were discussions, but nothing was ever really close, which is kind of what I've been saying. I see no indication that either side is giving much and therefore they're unlikely to come to some sort of resolution. Now, will they eventually come to some resolution? I do think so, but both sides are going to have to take some pain first, and it's going to be a war of attrition. Who can handle the pain the longest, I think, and that will dictate how long this actual trade war goes on, right? We're pretty much there. We've, you know, it's kind of like a normal war where you're, it's a war of words, right? and a war of ideals, right? And then eventually something crazy happens and it turns to violence. And it's those first shots, those first missiles, those first cannons or however you want to put it that start the actual war. And whoever starts the first tariff, I think, when that first tariff starts, which it looks like it's it's already happened a little bit, right? But now it's big guns. Before it was the small guns, 10% tariff on a select few uh, items. Now it's 25% tariffs and opening that up to a lot more. So this is what the market is scared of, is broad-based tariffs, major trade war in an environment where growth is already slowing, global trade is already slowing, and this is just going to make it a lot worse and that is why the market is down so much because the market doesn't see a lot of optimism here. They're not, it's not optimistic that there will be a deal anytime soon. So that is why you saw the market down big. You saw gold up, utilities were the strong part of the market which makes sense in an in a, in a environment where interest rates are dropping and people are rushing to safety and out of things like semiconductors down almost half a percent, half, sorry, Five, almost down 5%, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Sector Index. So after a large rally coming off the Christmas Eve lows, you're starting to see a rollover in the market as a whole, which you know, if you looked, if you watched our uh, my Invest Talk Academy breakdown last week of the market, I said, you know, this is a market that looks like it's failing to break out. 
uh, and the best moves come from failed moves, and usually it happens quickly, especially on the downside, and that's what you're hearing or seeing right now in the market. Now let's take a look at some market news. Obviously, I just talked a little bit about the trade war, but let's get into, get into some specifics. The Chinese have retaliated with an announcement of $60 billion of import tariffs on U.S. goods beginning on June 1st. So we have about two weeks, a little over two weeks before that actually happens. And that will put some strain on America, right? They're trying to hurt us make us feel some pain, just like the pain they are feeling. Now, the big question is, who will endure the longest? Now, most experts who understand China say they typically don't care too much about the near term. They care long term. They're in this for the long game. Think of the Belt and Road Initiative. Right, where they're financing development around the world and typically that turns into maybe they can't repay the debt and then they take over uh, certain infrastructure in certain areas of the world and they start to build uh, assets throughout the world. Right, That's what Belt and Road, Belt and Road Initiative results, results into typically. Uh, and so that's a long strategy, right? You're lending money. Maybe they don't default in the first couple of years, but three, four, five, six, ten years down the line, they do, and you get to own that asset, right? So that's the long game. And that's what China's really about, and that's what they've been focused on, and, and they're trying to change their economy away from being an export-led economy. And that this is one of the reasons why their, their growth has slowed, obviously tariffs as well, but they're trying to transition their economy away for some, from something that's so concentrated into manufacturing and export-driven. And that's where it's tough to understand, where are they right now? Clearly, they're an economy that still depends greatly on exports, right? And they're doing all they can to build up the rest of their economy. That's one of the reasons why we're in a trade war, because one of their initiatives to try to steal as much information from around the world on different sectors to build, for example, their semiconductor sector, which is obviously well behind uh, countries like the US or South Korea, but they're trying to build that, and they're doing that in partially by stealing intellectual property from around the world. Not to say we don't do the same thing to some extent, but that is what they do uh, in a, to a strong degree, and that's one of the big hang-ups of the trade war. So you can see that they have a long-term time horizon of how they look at these particular deals, but doesn't mean they won't feel pain in the short term, and they already are, and it's only going to get worse if the if the tariffs do increase to 25% and on more goods. So they're going to feel the pinch. Now we're going to feel the pinch because tariffs are going up from uh, goods in, exported from the United States into China. Those are going to be tariffs, uh, have higher tariffs as well. But also, those 25% tariffs, that's a tax to each individual. Now, it's going to be shared. Some are going to be, uh, there are going to be some Chinese pricing concessions, I'm sure, from the companies there. There's going to be some companies here that bite the bullet and eat a little bit of that profit margin. And some of that will be passed on to the consumer as well. So, 
I think it's definitely going to be shared. It's just a matter of how much. It probably depends on the industry, depends on the product, depends on who has the pricing power. Right? And Apple, for example, they can probably pass along most of that tariff onto the consumer because the demand for their products are so high. Whereas maybe another company who doesn't have such strong user base, they might not be able to. Okay? So that'll be very, very interesting. What else happened? Oh, the IPO market, which is extremely frothy, and we talk a lot about how you should avoid most IPOs, especially in this market. Uber is now down almost 17% in two days from its IPO price of $45, close around $37. And Lyft is down almost 50% from its high just a, what, a month ago? Something like that? So this is an IPO market that is very reminiscent of 1999. Companies coming out with extreme valuations and almost no profits or negative profits. The ones that have done well, like Zoom, they actually make profit. Even though they're overvalued, still make profit. So that's where you're seeing the money flowing is, yeah, maybe they're overvalued, but at least they're profiting and they're have, they have positive cash flow where companies like Lyft, Uber, not so. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at Occidental Petroleum, correct? Yes, hi. Um, I bought some shares a while back, down about 15% from where I bought it. So I'm thinking of buying more shares. Um, but I'd like your thoughts. If, I mean, do you think the dividend is sustainable and the outlook for the company is good? Well, in this environment, I always try to look at the debt. Um, debt has been built up over long periods of time, and uh, companies that are that have a lot of debt, uh, I could see having major issues and 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 problems uh, rolling that debt over the next few years. Now, Occidental is one that doesn't have a ton of debt, especially in relation to its market cap, about nine billion dollars in debt and forty billion dollars uh, in market cap. Not too bad. Uh, now, free cash flow is negative uh, the last quarter. That's not good. Earnings are down 8% year over year. Certainly a slowing growth perspective. Uh, let me look at the profitability long term. Return on equity is 19%, which is very, very strong and in rising. So I like that. I like what you're, what you're looking at there. Uh, how much oil exposure do you have in your portfolio? Oh, uh, overall, probably... 15%, 20%. I have a lot of MLPs. Ooh. Um, okay, well, the MLPs are going to be even more risky than this. Well, Typically, yeah. they carry a lot of debt, um, and, and their cash flows are a little chunkier uh, than, than, uh, than an Occidental. Um, so I actually like this. I would be rotating out of some MLPs and more into uh, a name like Occidental with minimal debt, strong cash flows, and strong dividend. Let me look at the dividend. Uh, let me look at the dividend real quick. The payout ratio is 58. The cash dividend payout ratio is 96. So you're kind of pushing up against that ability to pay that dividend out of straight cash flow. So that worries me a, a, a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a super safe dividend, but I like the fact that their debt is minimal uh, in relation to the size of the company and the revenues and the cash flow. So uh, it's it's definitely on the safer side of the uh, of the average uh, oil name that you could have. And I like the long-term profitability perspective. Thanks for the call. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and Steve has a set date for his return to San Jose. It's on June 12th, so 
little less than a month away. If you want to sign up for his free consultations, just go to investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live right now at 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. May is moving fast. Trade war tensions are affecting the market. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance from Stephen Justin, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Justin's here now, taking your calls live. Step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Dan in Gilroy, asking about his 401k. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, yes, I, so right, currently my job doesn't offer any uh, 401k benefits, nothing at all. And so right now I just opened up a, uh, a Charles Schwab uh, Roth contributory account. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm aware there's only, you can maximize that to 6000 for the year, correct? Yes. Is there anything beyond the Roth contributory that I can do to stash more money away? You mean tax deferred? Correct. Not really. Um, if you are, are you self-employed in for any any way? Uh, I'm I'm a I'm an electrician, but I work for a uh, an employee or a an employer. Okay, you are an employee. Correct. Yeah. So the answer is not really. If you are self-employed, you can open up a, a SEP IRA, uh, and that allows you to contribute way more, uh, depending on the amount of revenue that you might have. So self-employed people definitely get an advantage in that way. You can also do a, a solo 401k. Uh, if you, uh, you you can do a simple IRA. There are other types of accounts that you can contribute a lot more, but you typically have to be a business owner of some type. You can't be an employee. Um, so, cause you need, you need your own business, uh, income, but for, for now, you're just okay. going to have to stick with the Roth, uh, and encourage your employer to, uh, to set one up and, and let them know that they don't, doesn't have to cost them anything. Uh, you know, they just need to go through the process of setting that up. Uh, and the employees can bear the, the cost of it. Uh, and they don't have to yeah. necessarily contribute to that 401k either. So uh, I would I would try to help them understand that it would be very beneficial for you and the rest of your your colleagues, and it doesn't have to cost them much of anything at all. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And uh, one more question. Um, so I, I'm married. I guess is there any? Am I able to contribute to my wife's retirement account? Only at all? if she does. She work. Does she work? Does she earn some sort she of does income? Work. Yes. Okay. She's, she's then yes, higher, you can you uh, can contribute for her. It's a twenty-two percent, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, you can contribute to a separate account for in her name. Yes, you can you can do that um, as long as she's earning some sort of income. That that would that would be as and, much and as by, that and or vice more. Versa? Yeah, I mean, the, you guys if, are. If she, if she wanted to, the government doesn't care really where the money comes from as long as they earn that. some sort of. Say that again. If she wanted to contribute uh, into a Roth uh, contributory 
under my name she could do that? I mean, she could put the money in, but it, it each Roth max is for each individual. So you can have a Roth $6,000 a year. She can have a Roth $6,000 a year. The government doesn't care where it's coming from as long as both of you have made at least $6,000 from employment. Does that make sense? Thanks for the call, Dan. Now, my main talking point today is about Apple and its Supreme Court ruling, and they lost uh, for at least this round, uh, five to four, and this is an antitrust case that was brought against Apple in relation to the App Store. And in the App Store, iPhone Apple takes 30% commission on sales through that store. And the argument is that they're in a monopolistic position and that 30% commission charge is being passed along to consumers and is an unfair use of monopoly power. So that's the argument here. Okay? And this has been going on really for a decade plus. And the result of this is going to impact Apple clearly if this continue right this uh this doesn't get shot down. Let's just say that. Now the results of the litigation could impact Facebook, Amazon, Google. They all have businesses of this type where they have some sort of an app store. Right, Google has its Google Play Store. Uh, there's, there's, on through Facebook, there's different applications and and software that you can install through your Facebook platform. Uh, Amazon as well with Alexa and its uh, its its TV platform, all that, right? And for Apple, there could be hundreds of millions of dollars in penalties based on this. Now, I want to read Apple's responses because I think it's very important, and I think. It holds a lot of water, because remember they didn't lose this nine nine to zero, eight to one, or something like that. It was five to four. It was a swing vote, one way or the other. Now, part of their statement says, "We're proud to have created the safest, most secure, trusted platform for customers, and a great business opportunity for all developers around the world." Developers set the price they want to charge for their app, and Apple has no rule on that. The vast majority of apps are free, and Apple gets nothing. And the only instance where Apple shares in revenue is if developers choose to sell digital services through the App Store and developers have a number of platforms to choose from. Smart TVs, gaming consoles, etc. We've worked hard to make our store the best, safest, and most competitive in the world. So, what it means is, they're saying, ours is safe. You don't see bugs. We have to review everything. It costs us money to maintain this store, so we need to earn a profit on that. So that's their argument, and I think it holds water, and I think uh, this will eventually get reversed. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk, 18 high-paying, in-demand healthcare jobs you can get without an MD or PhD. Steve's going to talk about that. I'm Justin Klein. 888-99-CHART is our number. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, 
you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. It is official. Steve Peasley has set a date for his return to San Jose, California. Yes, Steve will meet with listeners in San Jose on Wednesday, June 12th. He'll conduct his no-cost portfolio review consultations. If you set an appointment, Steve can look at your investments and then provide individualized and optimized advice. This is the kind of unbiased guidance you'll need to help you achieve financial freedom. You can register at investtalk.com. This is Invest Talk, and we're taking your calls now. Step up with questions, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Sam from Nashville. Thanks a lot for your show. I've heard both of you talk a whole lot about never invest in IPOs, and it is true that if you look at an IPO, they, they always tend to open above their intrinsic value, and then they drop over time. And it got me wondering, why would the savvy and aggressive investor not simply short uh, IPOs. You know, that's not one of those things that's for me. I don't think I'm smart enough to, to, to get into that. I'd far rather just invest in those things long-term uh, that, that I think will go up rather than go down. But it just got me thinking that, that you, you guys say never invest in IPOs, and then it's true that, that when they open, they end up going down over the next few months. Why would a savvy and an, an aggressive short-term investor not simply short every IPO that uh, comes into the market? I'd just be interested in, in your answer to that question. Thank you. That's a great question. And IPOs do typically come out overvalued. Uh, and especially in this market, and you've seen that with uh, many of them declining rather rapidly soon after the IPO. Um, but the first thing is, the first 30 days of an IP after an IPO, you can't short the stock. So you can't do that initially. Okay. Second off, Depending on the float, which means how many shares are out there uh, in relation to the size of the company, it can be a very, a very tight float, uh, and that often pushes the price of the stock higher in the near term, simply because there's a lack of supply. And then after typically six months, their lockup period ends, and the people who promised that they would hold the stock for that six months can now sell. And that's when a lot of times there's downside pressure on the stock. Now, that isn't always how, how, it, how it plays out. Sometimes it's uh, down quick in, like I said, the Uber and Lyft case. But you can't short them. Uh, there are some options, and you can use some options, and that would probably be what I would suggest. Um, but you're right. Uh, IPOs are typically good shorts. Once that lockup period ends... Um, but you can certainly short them well before, you know, maybe two, three months after the IPO period uh, or IPOs, you can start building your short position if it's a name that you are, are, are negative on for whatever reason. But I like your thought process because it typically is much better to short an IPO long term than it is to buy an IPO because I've talked about this before. If you're an insider, if you built the company from the ground up or you were an early investor and you took a bunch of risk you risk your capital to invest in this fledgling company, then 
what are you going to do when it goes public? Are you going to sell at an advantageous price for the mutual fund or pension fund or individual who's buying shares in that company? No. You're going to say, they didn't take the risks. I took the risk. I want a big payoff. So guess what? I want a high price. And that's typically how most IPOs are priced. Very aggressively, especially in this market. It's very reminiscent of 1999. There's so much coming to market today that while reputable companies, fine companies, I think Uber and Lyft are going to be around for a long time. Are they worth tens of billions of dollars while they're burning capital? You know, Uber's, even after being down 17%, still a $62 billion market cap. That's insane. It's absolutely insane. Should be in the teens, maybe single digits. Lyft, another name. Smaller company, $14 billion, but still losing gobs of money. So don't think that this is uh, an anomaly. This is, frankly, what the IPO market typically is. And that's bringing companies to market, hyping them up, right, doing through a roadshow, and then sell them to the public. And guess who gets the big commissions? The investment banks, right? They typically get about 7% of the total money raised in an IPO. So they're incentivized to get that price as high as possible because their commission's bigger. And then their clients are happy because the clients cashed out some of their shares as well and have a high valuation on that cash out. So that's typically how IPOs work. So shorting them, good idea, typically. But once again, you can't do it for 30 days and you need to find the right time frame, the right chart pattern as well, because that's typically what you're looking for. You're the fundamentals, you've you've checked that box, right? If you're looking to short it. But the technicals, they're a lot harder, especially with a new issue. Hope that helped. 888 chart, 888 We have ooh, 15 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you need to do it ASAP. Let's talk about the pharma world. And this is a very interesting study from Axios. And what it showed was big pharma eats up the vast majority of the profits in the healthcare industry. More than half of the total industry profits during the last, oh, sorry, in the first quarter, went to the drug companies went to the top 10 companies on that list were drug companies. 90% of those, uh, sorry, 90% of the top 10, so 9 of the 10 were drug companies. Companies like Eli Lilly, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson. And this just goes back to what Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar said earlier this month about the re the escalating drug prices. And they're finalizing legislation that will require drug companies to disclose list prices of medications costing more than $35 for a month's supply. And I think this is, this is strong. This is a strong piece of legislation that I think will pass because it has 
bipartisan support. And it's not controlling the industry in any way. It's not saying you can't price your drugs a certain price. It's saying if you do, you need to disclose it. You need to be open about how much these drugs are going to cost the individual. 44 U.S. states recently joined an antitrust lawsuit accusing 20 drug manufacturers, including Pfizer and Teva, of price-fixing of more than 100 generic drugs in a broad conspiracy. Now, I thought this stat was very interesting. This is adjusting for inflation. Adjusting for inflation. U.S. prescription drug spending per person went from $90. Remember, this is inflation adjusted. So don't say, oh, this was a long time ago, $5. No, this is inflation adjusted. It was $90 a person per year in 1960. In 2017, it was $1,025. And just over a quarter of adults who take prescription medication say they have somewhat or very difficult time affording the treatment. And this eats into what people can spend on other things. And overall, it's a drag on our economy because while they may help some people be more productive, absolutely, I think they're way overpriced and it's clear from the studies, the fact that they produce, they, they get over half of the profits in the industry tells me that there's something amiss. Now think about the nurses and the doctors, the ambulance workers, the firefighters that are out there with their hands helping people. And they're not the ones getting the majority of the profits in this industry. That's crazy to me. And I think it should be crazy to the majority of people. And there obviously is some embedded problems within the system that is creating this. It doesn't just happen. So I don't have a solution. Maybe I do, but I'm not going to give you my solution because I don't want to get all political here. But what I'm saying is, and I've said this for a while, the industry is ripe for major political disruption. It's a bipartisan issue. There are very few bipartisan issues in Congress today. And therefore, there's going to be more regulation. It's going to hurt the drug companies more than any. I think drug companies first, healthcare providers second, because there's a lot of uh, Im- embedded profit in there as well. Listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you're making the right choices with the money in your 401k. And we know it's hard. There are a lot of choices within your 401k, but you have to understand the fundamentals, the trends, the terminology of what what this all means. And it's difficult to know when to how to allocate that 401k on a consistent basis. So that's where Steve and I can help. And at KPP Financial, we have a math-based model to guide you. We can monitor the options in your plan, and advise you quarterly, and then you go take the action. It's called our Active 401k program, and you can read more about it on investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, 
Now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Jake from Ohio. I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on a company called Abel Marley Corporation, ticker ALB. I've been looking at it, and uh, I like the space it's in. With uh, It's one of the lithium mining leaders, and I feel like if the electric car uh, industry kind of explodes, this will explode with it. Uh, it's near its 52-week low. It's rated pretty high. A lot of a lot of the analysts are saying to buy it up, and uh, pays a decent dividend at two percent. So, just wanted to get your guys' opinion. Thanks. Appreciate the show, and look for you on the next one. Thanks. All right. Looking at Al Albemarle, A L B E M A R L E. I don't know how to say that exactly, but A L B is the symbol, and this is. Based in Charlotte, North Carolina, they make polymer additives, catalysts, and fine chemicals for the refining of consumer electronics and other markets. So, like he said, uh, in the lithium uh, space, and it's in decline. It's 52-week high, uh, actually probably going far, farther back than that, was around $140 a share, and now we're at 68 over 50% down from its all-time high, and there was a lot of hype around that. Uh, now, earnings are only up 1% year over year last quarter. Sorry, that was sales up 1% year over year last quarter versus a couple years ago. That was growing in the mid-teens to 20% range. So growth is clearly slowing on the sales side and earnings are now down 5% year over year, whereas a couple years ago, once again, up 20, 25% or so. So growth is slowing. Uh, which I don't like that, and that's uh, it's been partly reflected in the stock now. Uh, has a little bit of debt, two billion dollar debt in debt, uh, market cap seven billion, not too bad, but it continues to be in a decline. And with the tariffs, I see this only going down much, much more because you know they're they're making the demand for lithium-ion batteries are going to be lower now that the trade war is kicking up, and a lot of consumer electronic products are going to be affected. Right, so you know, I would say I would hold off for now. What I don't like long term is that it's a commodity producer, and typically the commodities don't earn an above uh, average return. So I don't like that. But from a technical perspective, I could see this getting back down to around the fifty dollar mark, and that would be a tr- that would be interesting to me there. But at what at seventy three today, I think there's much more downside, and I would hold off until we get to that fifty dollar mark, and that's where I'd be more interested in this name. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta, looking at L Brands. Vitaly, you there? I don't think he's there. All right, I guess he's not there. Sorry, sorry about that. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have uh, about so we're about to go to a break, but uh, we're going to get into my last talking point, which will, which is about the trade war and what products are going to get hit the most if tariffs do take effect. I think this will be very interesting because 
this will not only be a, be, be impacted, you'll feel the impact because these prices will be passed along to you to some degree, but the companies in your portfolio are certainly going to feel that as well. And uh, you're, you've seen a sell-off, a broad sell-off today, and that's certainly going, that, that's more of a, a, a gut reaction, right? And selling kind of everything. But some industries are going to be hurt more than others, just like the last tariff start was more more about the agriculture industry and soybean farmers got hit the most. Well, there's going to be a new round and we're going to talk about that. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and we have one goal here and is to help you achieve financial freedom. So our work continues after this break. So get your questions in right now. We're going into the last segment at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, 14 high paying and in demand healthcare jobs you can get without an MD or a PhD. Many medical field positions require less education yet offer excellent pay. That story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888 99Chart. Go to Vitaly again in Atlanta, asking about L Brands. Yes, hi Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I'm calling regards to L Brands. I've held them for quite some time. Always kind of expecting a rebound from that stock, but um, it's always gone down. And I'm starting to now think about buying a put option instead, because I mean, if if it's going down, then why not? Um, I mean, that's my thought, but I wanted to get your opinion on technical and fundamental analysis on it. Um, the strike that I was looking at was a $20 strike of January of next year, uh, and I wanted to get your opinion of that. Yeah, so you're looking at L Brands, and uh, this is the maker of Victoria's Secret, or the, the, the parent company of Victoria's Secret, as well as Bath and Body Works, and uh, they've had some trouble with the Victoria's Secret side with competition and online uh, online competition uh, and uh, change in in some consumer taste, but in general their brand still remains very strong. If you're looking at uh, any polls uh, that are out there of uh, brand strength, and they're starting to turn their business around a little bit. Um, now revenue has grown now for the past six quarters, which is positive. Before that, it was declining because they got rid of uh, swimwear and some uh, apparel lines, which they're bringing back swimwear, which I think will bring some uh, positivity to the name, uh, and then. Earnings were falling, except for last quarter was up 1% year over year, which isn't a big growth, but their valuations remain extremely cheap. You're talking about an enterprise value to EBITDA of six. Uh, if this can just get back to uh, flatlining their revenue and their earnings, I think this re reprices to at least uh, eight to 10 times uh, EBITDA, uh, which is 20 to 30% upside from here. It pays out a 5% dividend, although that's been cut recently. Uh, I think they're, they're, they, they clearly see the issues, and I think it's only a matter of time that their brand strength, as well as Bath and Body, or, uh, yeah, Bath and Body Works, brings them back to uh, a growing business. So, um, you know, I still think long term. Once again, this is it's value investing, uh, and value investing is about finding low value names and waiting for the narrative to turn. And when that narrative turns, it's big. Um, but the narrative just hasn't turned yet, uh, even though the economic numbers, the the cash flow numbers, have started to um, turn a little bit. The narrative has not yet. 
uh, and you saw a big downgrade from uh, I think one of the investment banks today, and therefore I, I I'm still I'm still a buyer. So I would not be buying a put if you if you're that worried about it. I would, but you know I still like the name. Would you actually be purchasing more of it if you owned it at these prices? Yes. 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 If you believe in the okay, story, if you believe in the brand, if you believe in if you believe in it, then yes, it's 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 it's, it's very cheap. It's just a matter of will the narrative turn? Uh, and with the only way to do that is to have some consistent change in the uh, the performance of of the the business metrics. And it's starting to show, but uh, clearly not enough to change the narrative yet. Thanks for the call, Vitaly. That was L Brands, LB is the symbol. Now, we started the show with tariffs, and we might as well end with it. And the U.S. is planning to increase tariffs on $200 billion of Chinese goods that are already at 10% to 25%. That was last Friday. And there's going to be a proposal for some more uh, goods that are going to be covered. And China is planning to raise tariffs as high as 25% on about $60 billion worth of U.S. imports. So we've taxed $200 billion and they're trying to tax about $60 billion. And clearly, we, as a percentage of our economy, don't export as much to China as they import to us, right? Or they export to us. Uh, so they're feeling the, the the hurt, but our companies will as well. Their tariffs are on 5,000 different products from frozen fruits to vodka. And this is going to ha- harm a lot of U.S. industries, farmers, and uh, consumers who work for this company, works for, work for those companies. And it reduces our competitiveness, competitiveness for China, right? Because China consumers can buy products from elsewhere around the world that's not uh, tariffed by 25%. So this is still ongoing and I think both sides are going to feel a lot of pain before this gets gets, gets resolved. So don't expect it to get resolved soon. I think it goes through at least the summer. I'm Justin Klein and this completes another Invest Talk program and I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.